0: Or someone in the Bible uh, who had faith that God would help them. Um, David. David and Goliath. Oh, we're gonna tell tell me the story. Well, there's this uh, boy that was a shepherd. Shepherd. And he wanted to go fight in the army. Yeah. And, and sling shot and, and shot. no, and, and a staff. staff, staff. Where the staff come from? <laughs> Oh, yeah, five. From he picked from up from the smoothest and the roundest. I think. from the river. Yeah, from the river. And he went and fought Goliath, and he pulled a slingshot, and the rock was. No, he didn't pull a slingshot. He went. was that? You know what I mean? And he just went into his head. And he went into his head, and he fell face first. Father, I thank you for your word and for the power and truth that's in it. Father, I pray that uh, any words I may speak that are not of you would fall from the ground and to the ground and die, and anything that is from you, Father, may it take root in the heart of those who have ears to hear and bear much fruit. In Jesus' name, Amen. So we do have a few distractions up here associated with the kids' stuff. Is that better. <clears throat> Speaking of distractions. I did a wedding um, this summer for one of my daughter's friends. She was a local girl, and she met a guy in North Dakota, and they decided to get married, and they asked me if I'd marry him, so I agreed to do that. And uh came time for the wedding, and being from North Dakota, this guy's really into hockey, and he had a whole groomsman. All of them were hockey's, big hockey guys, you know, tough guys. And... Uh, So I'm standing at the front with him waiting for the procession to start, and you could tell he's starting to panic. He's just, like, losing it. So I leaned over and said, hey, it's going to be okay. Just take a deep breath. We practice this. You know, as soon as you all get in front of me, I'm taking care of it. You just follow my directions, and it'll be fine. He said, oh, okay, okay, okay. So wedding starts, and we get to the repeat after me part. And there's a line in there which I'll now... Oh, I forgot to describe his bride. So we're standing there. The procession is over, and the doors are shut, and then they open, and here comes the bride. And she is beautiful, just stunning. And uh, she's very uh, (coughs) full-figured and uh, has a very, very tight, low-cut wedding dress on. So with that setting, and with him being so nervous, we get to repeating the vows. And I come to this line, which I said already, I will take that out of any wedding I perform from now on. And I say, and I pray a blessing over my marriage. And he says, I pray a breasting over our marriage. (laughs) The place just lost it. A few minutes, uh, probably just a few seconds. But I said, hey, uh, this is a marriage for a lifetime, so... uh, Let's do this again. He said, yeah, yeah, let's get it right. So I go to speak, and he says, could you break that up into smaller pieces? <laughs> yeah, sure. But so I said, I pray. He said, I pray a blessing, a blessing over our marriage. So clearly he was distracted, wasn't he? So uh, I'm going to talk about David and Goliath. Um, it be a little a different take on David and Goliath, but uh, I believe uh, you will get something out of it. Of course, David and Goliath is the most told Bible story In the Old Testament, you don't have to even be familiar with the Bible to hear the story uh, used often to to describe confrontations between an underdog that's faced with uh, insurmountable odds. You see it a lot in uh, sporting events where the underdog team is playing the team that's heavily favored, and they'll describe it as being a David and Goliath um, event. David and Goliath, the battle of David and Goliath took place over 3,000 years ago in uh, Israel. And Israel was engaged in a battle with their longtime enemy, the Philistines. So let me paint a picture of what this battlefield looked like. On the northern side of the Valley of Elon, on the edge of the mountains, were the Israelites' army. And on the southern side of the Elon Valley were the armies of the Philistines. Both armies were reluctant to give up their favored position. If you know anything about war, you want to take the higher ground. So they each had assumed a position of higher ground, and neither one wanted to give it up. So in an effort to break the deadlock, after two weeks, the Philistines send out their mightiest warrior, Goliath. He comes out twice a day. He walks down into the valley, and he challenges the Israelite army to send out their mightiest warrior to uh, fight him on a single combat. That was a common, not an uncommon practice back then, to have single combat, where to avoid the loss of life and casualties and all that goes with a long war. Uh, the nations would agree to do single combat, and the winner of this man-on-man battle would be the, the winner of that. That nation would rule over the. Losing nation. Goliath is almost seven feet tall. He's covered in armor from head to toe. He has a sword and a javelin. He has a spear and he has a shield. He's quite an imposing figure. No one from Israel wants to fight Goliath. They are terrified of him. Remember that scripture in the Bible that says... I have not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Anytime you become fearful, know that that is not of the Lord. So even though the Israelite people were the chosen people of God, they were intimidated and overcome with fear by this large warrior, Goliath. The king of Israel, Saul, tries to entice someone, to fight Goliath by offering great rewards and riches and honor and even his hand, the hand of his daughter in marriage to the man that will do battle with Goliath and defeat him. This isn't one of those fights where one man gets an advantage over the other and the loser cries, Uncle, did you ever do that when you are a kid? You'd be wrestling and when one was in a very unfavorable position was ready to give up, they'd say, Uncle in the wrestling matches, you just kind of tap out and the uh, ref calls the, calls the match. That's not what this was. This was a fight to the death. Only one person was going to walk off that field. Finally, after several weeks, one person volunteers to fight Goliath. And that one person is a shepherd boy. The king sends for the shepherd boy and he tells him, He will have no chance against a mighty warrior like Goliath, but he insists he's up to the task, and he tells Saul about the time he killed a bear and the time he killed a lion that was coming to, to attack his flock. So finally, Saul agrees to let David fight Goliath and proceeds to try and equip David with Saul's battle armor. And David protests He said, I'm I'm not familiar with this and it will hinder, hinder me in my fight. I have not proved this. I don't have confidence in this. You know, if you're ever in a situation that you're faced with and you don't know what to do, well, clearly you can pray. You can call a fellow believer and ask them to agree with you in prayer. But you can also call to remembrance the things that God has done for you in the past. You can think about the times that the word was spoken over you and hold on to those things. And you can think about the times where you actually prepared for something and had an understanding that God is on my side. In the 70s, mid-70s, I lived in Brownwood, Texas, and if you've ever been to Brownwood, it's all about football. I don't know if they still do, but they used to hold the the, the record for the most state ch- football state championships. And um, one year... They made it to the state finals, and they were playing a team from Houston, Dickerson, and Dickerson was like the largest school in that classification, and Brownwood actually had the close to the lowest enrollment, but Brownwood had tradition, and uh, they always believed that they could win, and they were always the most prepared team going into a game. So in this state championship, facing Dickerson, they knew that the odds were stacked against them. But they also knew that they had found a secret. And in watching the film and studying the film of Dickerson, they picked up on the fact that when the center went the center of the ball to the punter in the deep formation, he would pick up the ball before he centered it. So the way football works, when a game starts and the center's over, the, or when the play starts and the center's over the ball, as soon as that ball moves, that's when the play starts. Got it? So, what they saw in the film was the center, when he was going to punt it, when he was going to snap it to the deep snap uh, to the punter, he would pick the ball up and then snap it as opposed to just throwing it right back. So, as soon as the ball moves, the ball's in play. So, they put a guy right over that center. And they'd get in punt formation, and he would pick that ball up to center it, and the guy would just slap it. They never succeeded in punting one time the entire game, four times. Brownwood did that to them, and Brownwood defeated them. They were prepared. They, they remembered what they had uh, done in the past to bring victory to them. And that's what David uh, called himself to, to mind, that he knew what he had done in the past. He knew what he was comfortable with. He knew what he needed to do to defeat an enemy. He had done it with a bear. He had done it with a lion. And he wasn't prepared to do anything different in taking on a giant. So David leaves Saul, armed with a sling and a staff and five stones he had picked up. And Goliath awaits David down in the valley of Elon, standing there seven foot tall in his armor with his shield, with his sword, with his javelin, with his spear. And David has a staff, a sling, and five stones. As David approaches Goliath, Goliath begins to cry out, Come to me so that I can feed your flesh to the birds of the heavens and the beasts of the field. In other words, when I get my hands on you, I will tear you apart. As the shepherd boy gets close to Goliath, Goliath begins to taunt him by saying, Am I a dog that you send a boy out to fight me with sticks? Remember, David just had a staff. And Goliath says, you're sending a boy here with sticks. David takes a stone out of his pouch, and he puts it in his slingshot. And he twirls it around his head, and he lets it fly. The stone strikes Goliath in the center of the forehead, and he falls forward on his face. David runs to Goliath, takes Goliath's sword, cuts off his head, and holds it up in victory. And the Philistines fled the scene. The story of David and Goliath is an improbable victory, the ultimate underdog defeating a giant. Or was it? Why was David an underdog? Well, David was a kid, a teenager. Goliath was a giant. David's a shepherd boy. Goliath is a trained, mighty warrior. Goliath has full body armor and a sword and a javelin and a spear spear and a shield. And David has five stones, a staff, and a sling. But is it just a sling? Is that all that was? In ancient warfare, there were three kinds of warriors. There were the cavalry, which the ones on horseback, and they usually had a shield. They usually had a spear or a sword. There were the foot soldiers. That would be like Goliath, someone in full body armor, fully equipped to do hand-to-hand combat. And then there were the artillery. Artillery back in David's age? Yes. So artillery back in David's age were archers and slingers. I hadn't heard that term before till I prepared for this lesson. A slinger. Have you heard of a slinger? Well, slinger is a warrior that carried a devastated, devastating weapon in his hand, a sling. It's not a kid's toy, as we tend to think about it. Um, a slingshot in the hands of a slinger was a deadly weapon. When David is twirling this sling around his head, he's doing it six to seven times a second. And when that projectile leaves his sling, It's traveling faster than the speed of what a professional baseball player would throw a fastball. It's going more than 100 miles an hour. I think we've all seen, if you've watched any baseball at all, you've seen that batter up there against a professional pitcher, and the pitcher loses control, and that ball strikes that batter in the head. And you see what happens. He goes down. It's, he doesn't just shake it off. Oh, wow, that kind of hurt. No, a ball traveling 100 miles an hour hitting somebody in the head, even with a helmet, can kill them. And it has killed people before. So one other note to think about is, uh, or one other note of interest, is that the stones that were in the Elon Valley were made of barium sulfite, making these stones the most dense stones that you can imagine. They were more than twice the density of a common stone. You take the density of a barium sulfite stone, turn it into a projectile traveling over a hundred miles an hour, and it has the stopping power of a 45-millimeter bullet being shot from a pistol at close range. Accuracy? History tells us that experienced swingers could hit a bird in flight. Slingers could hit a target the size of your fist at over a hundred yards away. History also tells us that slingers played vital roles in helping win battles, from stopping advancing foot soldiers, killing warriors standing on top of walls when a city was trying to be overcome, downing horses carrying cavalry soldiers, or actually killing soldiers riding on horses. Slingers were a deadly force to be reckoned with. So let's take our focus off of the slinger, David the shepherd boy, and turn it toward the warrior on foot, Goliath. Goliath was challenging Israel to send out a warrior to to fight him in single combat, a hand-to-hand battle to the death, sword to sword. That's why he said to David, come to me, come to me. He knew the only way that he could win was what he did best, which was hand-to-hand combat. And the thought that a giant, once he got his hands on a young man, a teenager, the odds were so heavily in uh, Goliath's favor, it would not have been even a fight. But that's not what David was prepared to do. In reality, Goliath is a sitting duck he's weighed down with over a hundred pounds of armor and he's got a javelin a sword and a spear and it talks about how slow he was it's, it's possible that we have not only misunderstood David and his choice of weaponry but let's look even closer at Goliath again he was huge he's over close to seven foot tall that's tall, shake. How tall are you? Six four. So imagine someone six inches taller than shake in full body armor. It's not unheard of to see people that are seven foot tall these days. You go to any NBA game and you'll see several, and you'll see a number that are six ten, six eleven. But in those In fact, 3,000 years ago, it's estimated that the average height of a man in that area was 5'7", 5'6", standing in front of a 7-foot, fully armored warrior. Clearly, Goliath was outside the norm. Goliath was led onto the field. He moved slowly, and he's slow to react. His comment about, am I a dog that you... Come to me with sticks? David's only carrying a staff. He's not carrying sticks. When someone or something is far outside the norm, there's usually a reason for it. In the case of people that are extremely large, it can be contributed to a medical condition called acromegaly. Acromegaly is a condition which the pituitary gland, which is located in your brain, uh develops a benign tumor and as it grows it stimulates the pituitary gland to produce more HGH or human growth hormone. Okay, so that tumor can get so big that it can press against the back of the optic nerve, which can cause severe nearsightedness or even double vision. So it's probably not out of the question that maybe Goliath had acromegaly. Why else would he say, why do you come with me with sticks? And David didn't even have sticks. He had one shaft. Why didn't David, why didn't Goliath knowing what he knows about how deadly slingers are, why didn't he use the shield to put it in front of him to block this projectile that was going to be hurtled toward him? Could it be he just couldn't see that well? Goliath is thinking, come to me and I will tear you limb from limb. And David is thinking... This target is so big and so slow, there's no way I can miss. Hitting Goliath in the forehead with a projectile from David's sling, being an experienced slinger, you have to believe he probably used that sling to knock down the bear and the lion, and then he cut their head off or killed them. You have to believe he did that. So when he's standing in front of Goliath looking up, at this huge forehead, he has every reason to believe that the victory is his. NFL starts today. This is not a 60-yard field goal David's attempting. This is an extra point. This, This is automatic. So why am I telling you this? I'm not trying to blow your theology. I don't even know for sure that the way I read and studied this, this is exactly what happened. But I do know that we do face giants in our lives. And I want you to consider that giants are not always what they seem to be. And sometimes we need to remember that we have a sling in our pocket. When I was in the seventh grade, uh, you can't tell it now, but I was a skinny kid. And uh, I loved athletics and I was reasonably talented at it, but I was not a fighter, and uh, the only fights I ever got in just like I had to, just someone made me fight him, or I had to protect somebody, or thought I did. And in the seventh grade, there was this big kid that decided he didn't like me, and he would push me in the hall, he would knock my books, he would, he was just awful. I hated going to school, because everywhere I went, here was this big kid. And this went on for weeks, and um, so, so I, I, I was intimidated by him. I was afraid of him. Uh, he was clearly bigger than me and stronger than me. But uh, again, I loved athletics, and there was a. It was raining one day, so the coach got the boys in the gym, and we lined up in two lines, and you just you just got in line, you know. So he would take this basketball and just throw it out in the middle of the court where it won into the court, and he'd just throw it toward the middle of the court, and a boy at the front of each line would run and fight over the ball and bring the ball back, and whoever got back with the ball won that that event or, or that contest. So sure enough, I'm in the line, the bullies in the other line, and I get to the front, and there he is. I'm like, oh, I can't believe this. But Now it's a different situation. He's not picking on me in the hallway. This is a sporting event. I'm good at athletics. The coach throws the ball out in the middle of the the court, and I took off after it. I knocked the guy down. He tried to get it away from me. I tripped him. I pushed him. I kicked him. I got the ball, ran back, and handed it to the coach. And I looked back at that big kid, and he was crying. And I remember thinking, I let that person intimidate me for how many weeks? And don't we do that in life? We tend to magnify things to be greater than they really are. We forget that we are a chosen son or daughter of God. And just like David had to remind himself, and I'll talk about how he reminded himself who he was, clearly David uh, knew he was going to win this battle. There are many accounts in the Bible that show us how a totally impossible situation is overcome by a miracle. The impossible becomes possible because the Holy Spirit shows up and intervenes. Moses parted the Red Sea. Did he do that with his own might or talent or skill? No. He cried out to God and God miraculously created a miracle and parted the Red Sea and saved the Israelite nation. I'm sure there are several of you that are here today that could tell about a miracle that God that took place in your life, something supernatural. I know I could raise my hand and tell several stories. But I think it's important to point out that not everything that we encounter in life requires that some supernatural intervention from God is required in order for us to be victorious. We're all created unique. We all have our own gifts. We all have our own talents. God puts us in situations to succeed and what we have to faithfully do is not allow ourselves become fearful of an imaginary giant or even if it is a giant because we serve the most high God we don't always need some miraculous thing to happen to be successful don't get me wrong I'm not saying that you're doing this on your own might, your own strength, that it's you. Clearly, any good thing that we do is done through the favor of God and with God's help. But it's important that we use the gifts and talents that God has given each of us to take on the challenges that God puts us in a position to take on. I think it's important to point out Even though I believe David was confident, in fact, I know he was confident that he would defeat, defeat Goliath, he recognized that God had given him the ability and the talent and the gifting to take Goliath down. You put that scripture up there. In Samuel 17, 37, it reads, Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, He will deliver me. Say that with me. He will deliver me. From the hand of this Philistine, David recognized where his strength came from. Then David said to the Philistine, the next verse, Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp... Of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is Lord's, and He will give you into our hands. Say that with me He will give you into our hands. stand with me I want to close here real quick I think I know almost everybody here personally so I know that you know you can trust me so I want you to close your eyes okay Now I want you to take if you're left handed take your left hand and make it in the fist if you're right handed take your right hand and make it in the fist and I want you to raise it over your head Now, while you've got this raised over your head, I want you to think about a giant in your life. It could be health. It could be finances. It could be a relationship. It could be your job. It could be rejection. It could be your kids. A giant can be anything that's seen through the eyes of man that seems impossible to overcome. But through God's eye, the giant is a slow, overgrown target that is so big, it cannot escape what is about to hit it right between the eyes. Now I want you to start twirling your wrist around. You've got a sling in your hand, and you've got that giant in vision standing there in front of you. Twirl it faster. We're going to get a projectile, remember? Over a hundred miles an hour. Faster. Six to seven times a second. Come on. Now repeat after me. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. This day... The Lord will deliver you into my hands. Now when I count, I'm going to count to three, and on three, I want you to strike that giant down. You just release the power of God for that giant. One, two, three. Open your eyes. You know I want you to leave here today and, and think about what you heard. Think about what you envisioned. Think about how you are never alone in any battle. God is always there with you. And don't, let, don't be intimidated by the world.